Welcome to the New Humanist Advent Podcast, December the 10th, with cartoonist Martin Rosen. My name's Martin Rosen, and if I could celebrate someone apart from Jesus this Christmas, uh, I think rather than going for a scientist, I'd go, well, a scientist in the conventional scientific sense, because after all, we've got science uh, to thank for Hiroshima and Zyklon B as much as uh, for anything else. I'd go for an anthropologist called Christopher Boehm, who is much underestimated, um, if estimated at all, and who wrote almost 10 years ago a book called The Hierarchy of the Forest, which was um, an examination of the nature of human beings in comparison to our higher primate cousins. And what he did was to take a vast amount of uh, ethnographic study and look at the way so-called primitive peoples exist and and cohabit and and how their societies run. And what he discovered was that in almost all of these societies of so-called primitive people, of uh, nomads and uh, so forth, that there is no hierarchy. They actually live pretty egalitarian lives in egalitarian societies. And moreover, what they do is, if there should be somebody who is aspiring to become an alpha male, aspiring to, to dominate everyone else and keep under control those people's personal autonomy, what they do is they form alliances amongst the weak, strategic alliances against this upstart, against this strong person, in order to keep him invariably him in his place and uh, amongst the strategies they use is mockery which was a great news to me and what Berm does really rather brilliantly is to compare this with the nature of the higher primates particularly chimpanzees and gorillas uh, which are very hierarchical and then triangulate and imagine what kind of society human beings have been living in or were living in for the majority of our time on Earth. So if you say we've been around for between 200 and 100,000 years, he suggests that until we domesticated plants and animals between 10 and 5,000 years ago, we were counter-hierarchical. We actually had a hierarchy which was counter-hierarchical, so it was turned on its head, which suggests that for between 95 to 98% of our time on Earth, we didn't live in the way we do now, that we were actually egalitarian. We had all these mechanisms for keeping upstart alpha males in their place. And as uh, thinking about this, it suddenly becomes clear that it's in our nature to mock the powerful, which is what I do for a living. But it's uh, also in our nature to yearn for freedom, to object to tyranny, to all these things which we, uh, which we find in ourselves, but which there is always an elite of people who are trying to prevent us from enjoying. And another interesting book I read this year, which actually got me onto the Byrne book in the first place, is uh, called Deep History and the Brain by a professor of history at Harvard called Daniel Lord Smale, where he is arguing for history to be viewed uh, as much longer than most historians do. Anything in prehistory, so-called, is assumed to be the province exclusively of anthropologists, paleontologists, and so on. And historians never bother about prehistory, about that 95 to 98% of human history, when we live differently from the way we have for the last 10 to 5,000 years. And one of the ways he says that we could explore that prehistory is to look at the way human brains work. And the importance of hormones in our behavior and in addition to that how we can actually change the way we feel and the way we respond to other people 
through various psychotropic mechanisms, which are naturally occurring, we can trigger those mechanisms off in ourselves. And of course, one very effective way of uh, psychotropically changing people's moods is to terrorize them. And his suggestion, along with Burns, is that at some point when we started settling down into an agricultural existence, these hierarchies and elites emerged, and they used various mechanisms, various strategies, to terrorize people into behaving in a way which meant they served an elite. Because after all, uh, working all day in a field is a pretty miserable prospect, and you've got to be compelled to do it rather than going off and hunting and gathering and telling stories and laughing and loving and doing what human beings do, except when they have this idea of ceaseless labor and toil imposed upon them by an elite. And one of the ways that I've interpreted this material, I've taken it off, they hint at it, they don't quite say it, but of course one of the things is that probably these new elites, these fresh elites uh, between uh, ten and 5,000 years ago, invented God as just another mechanism for terrorizing people into good behavior, stealing their personal autonomy, and imposing this hierarchy and these elites upon them. And these two books together, I think, are some of the most profound political texts I've read for decades. And they need to be more widely disseminated. They need to be understood by far large number of people. And then suddenly, it makes almost everything about the way human beings behave. It makes sense. And um, as to what I would give myself for Christmas, I think uh, what I'd give myself for Christmas would probably be a time machine. And I would, I would go back in time. And when uh, the first hunter-gatherer came across that mutated grass seed and thought, we could plant this in the ground and we can turn it into wheat, um, I'd stop them from doing it. And instead, there'd be far fewer of us. We'd probably, as a species, have uh, be numbering in as about 400,000 hominids loping around. But what we do is what these so-called primitive peoples do. They live lives of happiness, usually without a domineering single god and without a domineering single leader. And what they do is they do what we otherwise do, which is to laugh and love and tell stories and just live their lives. That's what I'd have for Christmas.